0: How's it going everybody and welcome to episode number 67 of Master My Garden Podcast. Now this week's episode I'm going slightly off topic on a solo episode and it's covering the topic of keeping hens in your backyard or your garden and it's requested by a listener so Julia O'Keefe is a long time listener of the show and she's requested this. She's considering getting hens and she has a few questions on it. I guess I'm supposed to put the cards on the table, I'm not an expert in keeping hens by any means but... I have been keeping hens here myself for 10 or 12 years so I suppose I've picked up a few bits and pieces and should should be able to give enough advice to help people get started. It's a lovely thing to do so anybody that keeps hens from the perspective of having your own eggs there is nothing quite better, better than, than the taste of them. From the point of view of you know with your kids going out and collecting the eggs. I actually had a Instagram story the other day of myself and my two year old going out collecting the eggs and the excitement that she got when we opened the, the nesting box to see. Now, we hadn't collected the eggs actually f- the previous day. So there was a lot of eggs in there and there was a, a big excitement in that. But that excitement is there every day. It's almost like <laughs> it's always like a surprise as if she's not expecting the eggs to be there and all of a sudden they are. So there's that really fun element of it then there's obviously as i say the benefit for the kids of knowing where food comes from and that connection with with food i think that's an important lesson anyway in terms of growing your own produce and in terms of having hens that connection between where the food comes from and what lands on your table i think that's hugely important for people uh, and especially for children to understand that and going forward in life so i think i think it definitely helps that they have that understanding and that appreciation of of where food com- comes from. So I guess there's lots to sort of consider if you're going to have hens. As I say, I've had them here for ten or twelve years now. I've had some I've had a great success with them over the years. I've had some really big disappointments, and I'll talk about those in a little bit as well in terms of um, fox getting in on one occasion. So yeah, there's, lot, there's lots to talk about, lots to consider. So I suppose the very first thing is, doesn't matter where you're listening, um, and there's different rules in every country, but wherever you're listening, there is generally some onus on you, even as a, as a backyard hobby hen keeper, to register with the Department of Agriculture in your whatever your, your jurisdiction is and here in Ireland as an example you're supposed to re- register your premises so whether you're only keeping two hens three hens literally a couple in your backyard you're supposed to register your premises um and you do that through the department of Ag- agriculture food and marine on a PR1 form and it's a really simple process the idea of it and the principle of it is that avian bird flu is you know spreads around the world and can spread to flocks quite readily. And the idea is that if, if it appears in an area, particularly in a commercial crop, and the department are aware of that, they're able to inform anybody who's in that sort of, you know, anywhere near that area that, listen, there's avian flu not too far from you. You should protect your, your flock. And, and how that's done, and it has only been lifted recently in Ireland. So I think up until about the first week of April there, there was sort of a a direction to keep all fowl housed in inside or indoors and that was lifted I think you know around the first week of April here so that's the first thing and as I say that registration with your department is probably different in every country but just check out wherever you're living just check out that and I suppose comply with it to be fair I would say a lot of hobby keepers don't do that but I guess the choice is yours. Um it's it's something that you would recommend because I think who wouldn't want to know if there was, you know, avian flu quite close to you because it can be fatal to your to your hens and you don't want that. So it would be good to know. But that's just I suppose the legislation part of it and and I guess it's totally up to you, but the recommendation is that even if you're keeping a small amount of hens that you that you do register it. to get started then. And this is, as I said, this question comes from a listener, Julie O'Keefe, and she has no hens currently and she's looking to get started. And I have some listener questions at the end. I put this out that I was covering this and asked, had anyone any questions? So there is about five or six questions. If I don't cover them in the actual discussion through the episode, I'll cover them as actual questions at the end. The, The starting point, basically, I suppose, is to consider what it is, that or how many hens you're looking to get, the size of area you can you can give over to them and, you know, your requirement for, for eggs or is it a requirement for sort of pets and so on. So. There's three ways, essentially, of buying your chicks. You can buy them as mature hens, which is basically point of lay pullets is how you see, you see them being sold. And so that means that they're they're basically almost ready to start laying. They're typically 10 weeks old, 12 weeks old when you're buying them, and they are on the point of laying, basically. Now, that's the best way to buy them if you're if you're getting started for the first time, because it just means that you're getting a hen that's almost ready to go. The other ways of doing it then are to, you can buy eggs which are fertilized, and then you will need to have an incubator, and you'll need to hatch out those eggs. Now, think for somebody starting who's not experienced, that's not a route I would go. And it's never, of any of the hens that I've got here, I've never gone down that route. It is nice to do it. It's possibly in terms of cost per hen, slightly cheaper, but not that much because you're not likely to have an incubator yourself there. So you're going to have to buy an incubator. Then you'll buy the fertilized eggs, which are obviously a lot cheaper than a than a hatched bird. But I think overall, your your cost might be a little bit lower, but not that much so i would i would say point of lay is the way to go sometimes then you can get mature hens which are you know they can be eggs that are or hens that are coming from a commercial unit you know these people call them battery hens but i don't like that phrase to be honest with you they're hens that are not commercially viable in a setup anymore and they they can be sold off and they can come to your premises and remain very, very good layers for a number of years, but maybe not just quite good enough for the commercial setups that they're coming from. So that can be a good way to do it. The only downside that I see with that is that it can be a little bit sporadic. So you may not get, you know, the, the length of time that you would you would like out of it. And you don't quite know. You might be told they're a two-year-old flock or a three-year-old flock, but you just don't quite know that. And um, so I always feel that Point of lay gives you the best sort of bang for your buck, but as I said, people do have success with the other two. So that's your your three ways to sort of end up with hens. But my preferred way is to go point of lay pullet. From there, then it's about considering your your house, and there's loads of options here. You can buy you can buy basically pre made chicken coops that have all the the bells and whistles, purpose built. They have the correct ventilation. They have the nesting boxes generally that you can um, retrieve the eggs from the outside. So they might have a little sort of hatch built into the side of it. You lift up a lid and you can retrieve your eggs without actually entering the house. So you can, as I say, you can buy those chicken houses or chicken coops in that in that format. If you decide that you want to build your own, which is what I did here. Um, there's a few essentials you need within your house. You need nesting boxes and you need somewhere for the chickens to roost. So chickens like to be up high at nighttime. They they sleep up on the roost and that's it gives them that sense of protection and that p- p- sense of safety in there. That's really important. It's, it's very important for your birds to feel relaxed in their environment because that will directly impact whether they're laying eggs or not. And we'll get into that in a little bit. The, the house needs to be warm in the in the wintertime, so not a real cold house. And in the summertime, it needs to be relatively cool. And That's generally true, having um, ventilation and ventilation points that the air can freely, freely mo- move through and that the house doesn't get too hot in the summertime. The house that I have here, as I said, it was sort of a DIY job. I didn't go out and buy a chicken coop. It started out basically a really large wooden, for all the world, a box um, about the size of a garden shed. So about six by eight in size. And what it was, it was a really heavy timber box that was used to put a medical bed into a nursing home. And somebody knew I was getting hens and saw this and thought it might be a good, quick way of making a hen house. And it was. The. I got the box and I basically clad it on the outside then with some ship lap, put a galvanized roof on it and a couple of r- roofs inside. And yes, I had a I had a really good solid chicken coop without too much investment. So you can either buy them or build them. Um, there is very good, as I say, timber ones out there with all the bells and whistles. There's also some and particularly in the last couple of years, the plastic products have got really, really good. And there's some ones out there now that have removable trays that are washable in in terms of plastic ones. They're very easy to maneuver around. So the the run and the coop are all part of one unit. And you can basically move them around to different areas so that you keep moving your hens onto sort of fresh grass or whatever. Um, So that is a good option as well. Just look around, as I say, budgets. You can you can spend any any kind of money on them, and it just depends on how many hens you you're going to keep. A general rule of thumb is that for your chicken coop, basically, you need to have roughly a square one square meter of floor area for every two to three birds. So if you're getting six birds, the minimum you can now that's kind of the minimum you'd have two square meters of floor coverage. So as I say, they don't need a huge amount of. Their minimum requirement is not huge, but the more space you can give them, I guess, the better. They need to feel cozy. They need to feel safe, not too crowded. So that's a good rule of thumb is, as I say, three birds to roughly one square meter of floor area. And you need your height then to be able to get your roosts in. So they generally perch higher than their nesting boxes. So you need to have your your perched area or your roost up high and then your, your nesting boxes down below that. And your nesting boxes should be about roughly 18 inches, 24 inches off the ground. The nesting boxes that I use are, they're actually called a nestomatic. They're basically a rollaway box. So originally I was using old plastic storage boxes cut out. I left the lid on them, cut out a square out of the front of it. And it gave that sort of dark secluded uh, private area where the hens could go in and lay their eggs. Now, what happened about three years ago, and this was one of my first sort of encountered problems with with keeping hens, was that we had a really hot summer and I got an infestation of red mite in there. And basically a red mite, and I I get onto some issues that you may have in, in a few minutes, but red mite got in and I found it very difficult to sort of get rid of the problem when I was using these plastic containers as the as the nesting boxes. So I took those out. The the house got fully treated with um diametase earth and a red a red mite spray. And then I got these nestomatic boxes. So they're stainless steel boxes that are much easier to clean down. They're less likely to attract the red mite as well. And then the, the basically on the floor of it there's these little plastic carpet for all the world so the hen goes in there into secluded area lays the eggs and the eggs lay, roll to the front and then there's a little a little lid that you lift up at the front that you can take out that's roll away boxes are quite good because sometimes hens can start to break their own eggs and you you kind of don't want that or if you have them nesting in a if you have them nesting in a in a nesting box where the eggs can't get away uh, particularly the heavier hens can get in and sort of break some of the eggs and dirty the eggs a bit. So I just find that they're a little bit cleaner and you have less damages with the rollaway system. So that's what I use, a nestomatic roll matic rollaway box. That's kind of the house element of it. So important things is that the bird needs to feel safe in there. It needs to have an area to perch up high or roost up high. And then they need to have a nesting area where they can lay their eggs. And that needs to be below the perch area, about 18 to 24 inches off the ground and the nesting box of your choice really but as I say I use the roll away ones I find those very good on the floor of the house then I use basically wood chip quite coarse wood chip now you can use lots of things you can use straw you can use sawdust um, you can use hay bark mulch any of those type of things so basically any material that the idea of it is that the, the droppings from the birds are not falling directly onto the wood. And it also makes it cleaner because with their droppings, they, if, if you if you don't use anything, they basically form a really hard cake on the ground and it is difficult to get it off it. So you're better off to put some form of material on the ground. It makes it a lot more comfortable. That makes it a lot more easy for you to clean out. As I say, I use wood chip on it. And whatever whatever you choose to use, I would clean them out. So typically I'd clean out mine every six weeks, every eight weeks, maybe at certain times of the year. I might let it run a little bit longer. I don't get too bogged down on timing of it. I just look at it. And if I think it's gone, you know, a little bit too messy, I I will change it out. But I would put when I when I do clean it out, I clean it out, brush it out. I sprinkle the whole area with diametaceous earth that prevents the mites building up and it's a natural product so totally safe and um, i use that everywhere in the house spread it on the walls on the ceiling on the floors on the nest boxes on the roofs everywhere and basically what it does it's really really fine uh ground up diametaceous earth basically it's a, it's a, a stone material that's ground up and it pierces the the outer scale of you know things like red 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 mite and so on so clean out the house, brush it out, put down the diamond taste dessert and then I put a good thick layer, like two to three inches of this wood chip on it. That wood chip then, whenever I do clean out, uh, you can do two things with it. Again, for me, depending on the time of year, I might actually put that straight around trees if if I was in the autumn or, or winter time. I would put it straight around the trees and use it as a mulch and as a fertilizer around the trees. But... Recently, I've started composting in a pretty good sized compost bin. So from now on, I will basically take that and I'll put it straight into the compost bin. It is superb in terms of fertilizer because hen manure basically is really, really high in in nitrogen and that. So it is very good for, for plants that need growth. So very good for hedging, very good for trees and that sort of thing but it I will use it now in the compost bin as opposed to directly unless again as i say if i was cleaning out in the winter time the compost bin has possibly slowed down at that stage i might just put it directly around trees or under hedging that maybe needs a little bit of a boost so there's no problem doing that and if you if you're not composting you can add it in around your beds just be very careful because when it's in its raw state like that it can be quite strong so just be careful that you're not touching any of the you know directly onto the stems of the plants so you can you can put it around the area it'll feed the ground it'll feed the soil and in turn it will feed the plants but just don't put it in tight onto the plants let it decompose and break down into the into the soil and then the plants will get the benefit of that you know indirectly so that's the way i would do that in terms of your outdoor area basically your outdoor area needs to be as big as you can possibly give them. And a lot of the, you know, for the small sort of the small hobby house type things, you you get a coop with a built in run into it. And those are typically, you know, the correct size. They'll tell you wherever you're buying it, that this is suitable for four birds or six birds or eight birds. And then the run will generally reflect what is the minimum that you can use for that amount of birds. For your outdoor run, the more space you can give them, the better they'll be. They'll be happier with the more space they have. They like to root. They like to find fresh stuff every day. But if they're in a relatively small environment, they will have all the creepy crawlies eaten in no length of time. They'll have all the grass cleared off in no length of time. So it's important that they have sort of new material to be rooting at. So the more space you can give them, the better. If it's a case that you don't have that much space, particularly in an urban setting, you can give them whatever space you have available, but you can add materials to it. And I've seen some really creative things that people do. So for example, last year I saw somebody had an old car tire, basically cut the top off the tire. So effectively you have a circular for all the world window box. Um, So it has the, the shape of window box. They filled it with compost. Sprinkled in, sprinkled in some salad leaves, particularly something like spinach, popped it outside, let it grow up to about six inches. And then they left it into the hens and the hens absolutely devoured it. They pulled out the compost, they rooted in it, scratched in it. So they're getting their greens they're get their bit of scratching, which is important to them. They really like to do that, they need to do that. But then, they were, as I said, they were getting their greens in. And what this person was doing was they had several of these on the go. So they were constantly feeding back in a new tyre with fully grown greens in it and the birds were devouring it, then they were taking it back out and, and filling it again. And they had it had it on a continuous cycle. I don't know how many do maybe five or six on the go. Um so that's something you can do. You can alternatively if you don't want to go to that trouble, you can any of your your greens, you know, if you cut a head of cabbage and you have some leaves left over, throw them in. Um, you know, things like lettuce grapes anything that's going a little bit over the hens will be delighted with those so you can you can keep giving them even if they have sort of expended the the grass area that they're on you can keep giving them their greens through other means and as I said there's lots of ways to do it but you'll figure all that out as you go along from there then you have your house and your run sort of decided and then it comes down to what breed of hen you're going to get your going for one of the options of a mature hen point to lay a pullet which is my recommended one or a fertilized egg and then deciding on the breed itself um, this one is a is a sort of a tricky one because the, one of the questions that has come in actually is is the recommended breeds for a large garden versus a city garden or versus an urban garden and the answer to that is not really there isn't there isn't a recommended a recommended uh, breed based on that criteria but a general rule of thumb is that the more ornamental of a hen that you go for the less eggs that you will have that's a general rule of thumb it's not strictly speaking true but it's it's mostly true so for example the really decorative ones like Brahamas, silkie's bantams some of those you're 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 basically getting less eggs per year per them from them so in the region of maybe 150 to 180 eggs per year. Whereas the really good layers like the you can get hybrid layers, the some of the black rock uh, leghorns, for example, I, I actually have leghorns here. Leghorns lay a white egg, a really white egg. Actually, it's it's pure white, but they lay about 300 eggs per year. So that's a really high return rate. Now, now that's about the max you get is sort of 300 per year. There's hybrid layers then as well, which are basically hybridized birds. They're generally the red, typical looking chicken type. And they are laying roughly 300 a year as well. Then there's other good layers like black rocks and things like that. And they're 250 a year. But then when you, as I say, you get the the decorative ones, Brahamas, the Silkies, the Bantams, any of those type more decorative, more interesting looking birds, to be fair, they are typically 150. So, you know, up to 50% of the eggs. I think that's really important because while it's lovely to have the, the beautiful looking bird going around, if they're only laying 150 eggs a year, and it's not a case that if you get four birds, that if one of them is not laying the other one is generally if they finish laying they all finish at that time so you could have a period where you won't have any eggs during the year typically with the you know with the red ones so I have a mix basically now at this point in time I have a mix of leghorns and a red a red layer I don't actually know what breed it is but I will have some eggs all year round and from my 11 hens I basically have Minimum eight, nine, ten a day at this time of the year, which is May, or heading for the first of May. And even in the winter time, then I'm going to have maybe three, four eggs. So for me, I'm not that interested in the, the sort of ornamental ones as such. I'm interested in it mostly from the eggs perspective. Now, Part of that question was about the personality of the birds and some of the, I suppose, the Brahamas and the silkies, they look like they have a bit of personality about them. They have these feathery legs, feathery feet, and they can look like, you know, I suppose, cock of the walk. They're going around and they're dainty looking and they're, you know, as I say, feathers on, on their legs and they look interesting and unusual. But in terms of personality, they're not that different from the you know the the ordinary looking leghorn or 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 black rock generally as well, the personality can be sort of influenced by the environment so from an egg's perspective, it's really important that the birds are well cared for that they're relaxed in their environment. there's nothing really that's frightening in them or or that they feel uncomfortable because that affects the number of eggs you have, but it also affects their behavior. So if if birds are a little bit stressed or a little bit not very comfortable in their environment, if there's something that's annoying them in the area, whatever that is, they can get a little bit, I won't say aggressive, that's not the right word, but they can be a little bit picky and things like that when you're in with them, particularly with children. And that that sort of leads into the next question, which was that keeping hens is a family activity as such? And is there any considerations there? And I guess in relation to children, I would say not really. But whether you were talking about chickens or, or any animal, just cautious where you have really small children, like, for example, my two year, while she's two in a couple of months. And when she walks in, she's very relaxed around the birds. She's not really afraid of them and she's very comfortable going in there but the hens by their nature are very very curious and they're also they also know that when we're coming in we're coming in to feed so as soon as you go in the hens come running over to you now she walks with her hands down by her side and the hens see these little fingers um, down by her side and they're wondering what they are and they have on occasion pecked at her hand they don't really hurt her in a bad way but they definitely give her a fright, so it's just as I say with any animal, whether whether it was a dog or um, a goat or whatever animal you have as a as a pet, you're just cautious with children. So I don't think other than that, there's any major considerations from that perspective. Um, as I say, breeds I would choose personally. I would choose a layer if you wanted to have sort of good looking varieties. You could do a combination, so you could get a couple of really solid layers that will give you your 300 eggs a year and then maybe add in a couple of the the fancy looking ones. But as I say, for me personally, I'm all about the eggs. So, um, yeah, I don't I'm not looking for ones that look beautiful. I get great entertainment out of them as. Just as what they are, because they have a lot of personality anyway, it's funny watching them coming out of the run in the morning the you know they they're so mad to get out like i let them out at about 6 7 in the morning and they they just really want to get out really want to get out to the food and it's just really fun watching them and then even during the day they they can be interesting and they have their, they all have their own personalities and yeah a bit of fun bit of fun watching them and it's not for me about the look of them it's about the activity of them more than anything else um the next question And I think I'm kind of covering off most of the questions through the discussion. But the next question that was there was balancing maintaining a garden with having hens. And this is a really tricky one. If you want to have a beautiful groomed garden, then hens and garden don't go together if the hens are going to be out and about. So if you're into your bedding plants and your flower bulbs and all of those things, that you might typically see in a garden and you want to let your hens share that area with you, then you're going to be disappointed because (laughs) their nature is to root and scratch and dig and pull and eat at everything that they can see. There's very few things that they won't go near. So definitely that's something that um, doesn't go hand in hand. Now, if you're not as sort of... Enough precious is the right word, but if you're not as hung up on your space and you want to have, you know, a garden that's a little bit more wild, a little bit less manicured, then by all means let them out and about. But do know that they will root and they will, and they will pull and scratch and dig in your beds and so on. So, it depends on, on what it is that you're looking for from your garden, but if having a nice garden, having a tidy garden, having a manicured garden is your thing, then the the chickens really have to be in a coop. And then you will probably need to either move them around the grass area or keep getting the greens into them some other way. The sort of other things to consider when starting out are, so we've spoke about the house, we've spoke about the run, talked about the different varieties, the essentials that you have to do for the hens and a consideration that you need to have is they have to have water, access to water all the time. So a mature hen will drink between 750 mil and a litre of water a day. So that's a lot of water. If you have four hens, that's four litres of water a day. So a little bit in the bottom of a dish probably doesn't, doesn't cut it. You need to have a, a purpose drinker for them. And there is ones that you can get that are, you know, like a sealed unit. And then on the bottom, of it, there's a little drip feeder and the birds get used to that and then they just peck at it and as soon as they peck at it they're able to drink from it but just know that it's 750 ml to one litre a day and you need to make sure that they don't run out so you, you can't forget about them for a couple of days you need you need to be actively just watching that they always have water food then is obviously a daily a daily job that you need to do you need to feed them i feed once a day first thing in the morning There is loads of different types of feeders that you can get, number one. So you can, so a little bowl or a a tray or a trough or whatever it is, put the hen food in it and and let them eat whatever it is that you give them. So um, that's what I do. I, I actually just put them, I have logs, big logs in the run. I throw the hen food onto the logs only enough that they're going to eat within sort of half an hour. And then during the day, I'll turn over the logs and there'll be a bit of rooting there for them again and you get insects under the logs and so on. So that's why I do that. It's a little bit of a, of a, I suppose, they get a bit more interaction from it. The other types of feeder then, there's a step feeder, which basically is a stainless steel box with, for all the world, a big step on the front of it, a little bit like the the pedal bins that you see. So as soon as the hen stands onto the, onto the pedal at the front a little slot opens in front of them and they're able to go in and and pick the food as required. I had one of those worked lovely for a little bit of time but then after a very short period of time it gets clogged up with droppings and so on and it stops functioning at which point it either is locked shut or locked open. When it's locked open I found that birds were coming in and eating the hen food And when it's locked shut, obviously the birds can't get at it. So I've stopped using that. And now I just feed what they will eat in sort of 20 minutes, 30 minutes and throw it onto the logs, let them root at it and scratch at it, which is their natural way of eating anyway. And then that's it. I don't give them any more until the next day. The food that I choose and actually another consideration at the start as well is that you will need to have somewhere to store the food. So. Typically, now you can buy small packs, but if you're keeping a couple of hens, you need to have somewhere that's dry to store them in. So I store the hen food. I basically get two types of food. I get a mixed corn, and I'll tell you the benefits of that in a minute. I get a mixed corn and a layers pellets, and I mix the two of them together in a plastic bin, so I can basically lock it. So it's it's enclosed, vermin can't get in at it, uh, it stays dry. And I leave it actually in the hen run. So it's in the hen run. I just go in in the morning, there's a scoop in it and I scoop it out of it. So that's, for me, that's where I find it. But you will need somewhere to store it. And you will need somewhere that's, as I say, vermin free. You can't just open the bag and then leave it in a shed because you will attract trouble for yourself doing it that way. The feed that I use, as I say, is mixed corn and layers pellets. The layers pellets obviously is very good for laying hens. But I find that the mixed corn don't know what exactly is in it, but there's a big mix of different grains in it. They really, really like it. But when I'm using that in conjunction with the layers, there's a big difference in the eggs. So the yolks on the eggs that I have here are really, really deep, a really, really deep orange color, really tasty, totally different. Absolutely a million miles away from what you'll buy in the shop, even the free range that you buy in the shop. And a lot of that I put down to the mixed corn. I think that's giving, adding something, certain amigas or whatever it is to those yolks. So that's why I use those. So that would be my recommendation on food. A mixed, a good quality mixed corn. I don't go cheap. A good quality mixed corn and a good quality layers pellets. Suit, get the one that suits um, you, what you can access easily. Make sure that they're eating it. And definitely use the mixed corn as well, because that gives you, in my opinion, gives you the better flavoured eggs. And then the other consideration is just making sure that the birds feel safe and protected. Generally that means because there is a lot of predators, and I'll tell you about some of the I suppose the the bad days I've had with hens. Is you have things like pine marten, you have things like fox is probably the most common one. And they will Basically get to know very quickly that you have hens and they will they will come and look to, to get access to them. Um, the worst one that we had here was we had 12 hens and a rooster taken in one night. So they left one bird basically. And now that had to be foxes and it had to be, I would think, a mother and cubs. They were obviously very hungry, but... The way they went about it, it wasn't something that just happened, you know, in a five minute or 10 minute spell. This was something that had to have happened over a period of hours because where where they got into the run, I have the wire. So I have chicken wire dug into the ground. It goes down about a foot into the ground. They dug down under the wire into the large hen run. And I have the hen run split in the middle. I'll tell you why I do that in a minute. I have the hen run split in the middle. They went through a fence, which took them into the second sort of smaller area of the hen run. And then they went into the house. Now, I at the time, I wasn't locking my hens in at night. They were going into the coop and I felt they were well protected enough by the fact that I had the wire buried in the ground. But uh, Mr. Fox had a better idea. It actually happened on one night when we weren't here. So obviously the foxes knew there wasn't activity around. Obviously, there was no, I don't know why. how they knew, but it happened on a night when we weren't here. So they obviously did know. That was the first time we had a a big incident with with a fox. Then really annoyingly, uh, I fixed up the run and got some new hens and had been locking them in at night from the from the time that first incident happened and so on. I only started off with five new hens and they were lovely, absolutely gorgeous hens. And we were away again. Now, this is a couple of months later, but not that much later because the foxes obviously remembered where they were. They came back to the same spot. We had been locking them in ever since. And on this occasion, we were to come home in the sort of late afternoon, early evening. And it got a bit later my mom had let them out that morning. They, She had been down during the day. They were all fine. And by the time I got back, which was, you know, a couple of hours later, the fox had come back at dusk time and, and basically took four of my new five. So I've had I've had problems with them Um really disheartening when it happens. But it's I suppose it's a constant possibility there and it is part of keeping it. I have since every night religiously to get locked in uh, before dusk if possible. That's becoming a bit of a challenge at the minute and I'll tell you why. Um, because we have only in the last couple of days got a couple of Aylesbury ducks as well. And hens like to go in at dusk. Ducks li- like to stay out a little bit longer. So um, they it'll be dark by the time the duck will decide to go in. Whereas the hen will go in as soon as it's dusk. And uh, it's a bit of a waiting game. But... Look, it's fine once once we're around and we're we're able to watch out for them. But it's important to do as much as you possibly can to secure the area. A lot of the the coops that you buy will have a cover over the top and a cover on the bottom. I also have started to use a little device called Fox Watch. It's essentially an ultrasonic device that hopefully picks up on foxes and creates a noise that only the fox can hear. well actually dogs can hear it as well so if you have a dog in your back garden you may not want to use that but it's an ultrasonic device that basically deters the the fox and i particularly used it at that time after the couple of attacks because if fox gets used to getting a food supply somewhere they tend to come back to the same spot so that's um that's what i do now they are as i say it is a A constant consideration but don't get too bogged down on that if you do everything that you can yeah i think that's kind of everything covered off it really is something that is so enjoyable for me i love eggs one of my favorite foods so from that perspective it's brilliant but it's it's more than that there's a bit of fun with them they have their personalities there's for children, they're getting to make that connection between food and where it comes from, which is really important. There's also the fun and the excitement of collecting the eggs and genuinely it, there is nothing like that. The kids will be the kids will be delighted to be going out on that especially on that first day. Well, it doesn't get old either on that first day when they go out and they find that egg, it's going to be a big excitement for for you and the family. The eggs in terms of quality, there is no comparison, as I say. The eggs that we would have here, really deep orange yolk on them. And definitely even the free range eggs that you'll buy in a supermarket, there is no comparison whatsoever to the one that you'll have yourself. And it's fun. Don't get too hung up on it. It's, It's funny that when I was asked to cover this episode, I was having a look online, just trying to, you know, gather up the right format for it. Because I'm not an expert on it. I'm just speaking from having done it for 10 or 12 years. But if you were to read everything that you see, it really makes it sound complicated. But it's, it's absolutely not. All you need to do is just make sure your birds are comfortable, that they're happy. You'll know that they are because they'll be going about their daily activities the way a hen should. You know, they'd be picking and rooting and scratching and they'd be lying down in the sun. That's how you'll know they're happy. Actually, one other thing that I didn't mention is that I also feed mine, uh, oyster shell. So basically oyster shell is exactly what it says. It's crushed up into a little grit. Now there's other grits that you can get as well. And the purpose of that is that it helps the hen to make her, make the shell of the egg basically. And it gives her calcium. So they, you basically pour it into, I have it in a little flower pot that's stuck in the ground. And I fill it with oyster shell. They they pick at that. And it basically means that you will have a more solid shell, particularly the young birds when they're starting off. Because a lot of effort goes into creating an egg every day. So the more calcium that you can give them through grits or oyster shell will help. Um, The other thing. I suppose if somebody has never done this before a few other little things with hens to watch out for is that when they're about to lay their eggs in the morning they make a big racket and you may well think that there's something wrong or there's something affecting them but that's just the typical cackling that they do around the time when they're about to lay their eggs so you'll get used to that Um the other consideration or the other thing to be aware of is that they molt at certain times of the year, so that molting basically means that they shed their feathers and basically grow new feathers and that also takes quite a bit of energy out of birds. So during that time make sure that there's everything that they need is there, enough water, enough food, enough greens. make sure that they're they're getting lots of 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 that sort of thing and that will help them. Because, as I say, there's a lot of energy goes into creating a new set of feathers. So that's an, another important consideration. The other thing that people suppose consider is having a rooster. The very first thing you need to consider. Are you prepared to listen to a doo first thing in the morning? Um, if you're in a town, are your neighbors going to be happy to listen to that? So you just have to consider that. And then if you were going to consider breeding, do you have the sort of facility to take out a hen that's that's roosting and, or, you know, in that farm, do you have somewhere to take her that she can actually hatch out these eggs? So, you know, they're all little things, things to consider. Personally, if you're keeping two or three hens in a town or an urban environment, I wouldn't think you should get a rooster. I think you're better off not to occasionally your hen will decide that she wants to brood regardless of whether there's a rooster there or not it's that maternal instinct in them and during that time you're better off they can actually get quite protective of the egg at that stage but you're better off every day to remove the egg because nothing can happen with that egg anyway so you're better off to just remove that egg but be careful because they can be a little bit protective when they're in that sort of frame and that can last for a few weeks so essentially the, the hen will stay apart from coming out for a little bit of food, a little bit of water, she will stay sitting on the eggs, trying to incubate them during that period of time. So again, simple, simple little thing, but just important to know that when it's happening, there's nothing wrong. But just um, if there's no rooster present, then obviously she can't, there can't be chicks anyway. So keep the eggs, keep taking the eggs away and just watch out that she doesn't peck your hand as you try to do that. Other than that, Enjoy keeping hens. It really is superb, great fun, great satisfaction. Um, we definitely wouldn't be without them now, as I say, we' we like eggs here. I particularly love them. <laughs> have them every day, and the quality of them is just second to none. So if you go down the route, I wish you the best of luck. If you do have any questions, just drop me a line, drop me a message. And as I say, this was a a topic requested by a listener. So I'm delighted to cover it, even though it's a little bit off topic in terms of gardening, but I suppose they, they go hand in hand in other ways. So that's been this week's episode. Thanks for listening. And until the next time, happy gardening.